0: What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Young Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Pierre Shao, here with Bryce McKinley, also known as Coach uh, Sharpen, the founder of the REI Results Academy, and has been recognized as one of the top five sales and closing trainers in the world in multiple different industries. He's done over 10,000 real estate transactions wholesales over you know 30 40 houses every single month Bryce welcome to the show man thank you for for taking the time to come out here
1: what up, Pierce? Hey, nice nice to meet you finally. And, and thank you for having me on. I hope that uh, by the end of this show that your audience uh, is, is provided with as much value as they came here to listen to. And I'm excited, man. Anything sales and, and marketing business, I enjoy talking about. So I'm an open book, man. I appreciate you for having me on.
0: Dude, of course. Amazing. Well, first off, man, I got to ask you, the nickname Coach Sharpen, where does that come from?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I actually have a men's group here in Dallas. So, I live in Dallas, Texas, <clears throat> excuse me. And I've got a men's group and it, it really kind of just came about organically through serving, you know, the homeless here on Saturday mornings and and uh, us guys just meeting together to sharpen each other, right? Like iron sharpens iron, so does one another to his brother. And uh, I, I I, believe in teaching in simple implementable steps and acronyms really help retain that. And so uh, I've got a pretty quick eye in mind for seeing words and coming up with it acronyms. And so as we were talking about sharpening each other, you know, I was like, man, sharpen, this could be the name of our group is sharpen. And uh, next thing I knew it was an acronym. And so sharpen is actually um, on my hat backwards. So whenever I do a live stream or interview it, it's backwards. So it shows up in reverse. So it's mirrored one. And for two, it stands for selflessly helping all ready persons eager for nurturing. So you gotta be ready and you gotta be eager, right? So I'm picky about, who I work with and I only work with people that are serious about working with me. And, uh, this is just one of the ways that that happens to be so.
0: I love that, man. That is incredible. Well, can you say that again? You went so quick, selflessly helping
1: all. So it's selflessly helping already persons eager for nurturing.
0: Yeah. I'm just getting that. Getting that written down, man, that that's awesome, and it's yeah, so important that they're actually eager to to learn. So, so Bryce, I know that you're you've done you know over ten thousand transactions in real estate doing wholesaling, and I want to dive into you know virtual wholesaling and all of that here later. But I really want to dive into your story a little bit more, so you know people can go back to where you're coming from, and you know I know that you have an incredible story, so. Well, Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, when you got started out in sales? I know you started out very young. Can you give the audience some background there?
1: Yeah, so my sales background really comes from the culture that I grew up in. You know, I mentioned to you right before we jumped on, I know some of our mutual friends and I grew up in the UPC Pentecostal movement, which is really high, like, high performance speakers and teachers and pastors evangelists and things like that and i grew up sitting on the front row of the church like i come from a long line of pastors my uncle was the sunday school director and one of the founding members of the church back in the day and so it was just kind of like natural for me to pick up some of those skills sitting on the front pews watching my uncle speak and preach for years but i'll never forget pierce the first opportunity that i remember to close the deal. And that was at the age of eight years old. And so um, that actually started because at the age of eight, I was fired for the first and last time of my life. And what happened was in Illinois, so I grew up in Northern Illinois and in Illinois, you had to be 10 years old to have a paper route. That was like their cutoff, right? And one thing you don't know about me, and and, uh, some of your friends will tell you, I'm a big dude. I'm 6'5", I'm 250, 260, depending on what day it is. And so for me, I always have been larger than life. And in this particular instance, my route manager, go figure, her name was Karen. uh, (laughs) She shows up at the house one day and said after about two, three weeks that they found out that I was eight and they needed to let me go and wanted to encourage me and I'll never forget sitting there looking like, gosh, and I grew up dirt poor, by the way, like dirt poor. We were broke government food line. I'll never forget like feeling just like I let my family down because I wanted to help provide for my family. My dad was working two or three jobs. My mom was working in a factory and doing some childcare on the side. And I just remember like that desperation, like fight or flight mode. And I looked at Karen, I looked at my dad, I looked at Karen, I looked at my mom and I was like, you know, obviously, Karen, my parents thought that I could do a good job, and that's why they said I could do this. And you thought that I was doing a great job until you had to make the decision that you did. Why don't we just put it in my dad's name, and when I turn ten, you give me more responsibilities if I do a good job? Is that fair? I remember him looking across the table, and my dad just—my dad is a quiet, shy guy, and my mom's more outgoing. He's like, my mom's like, that's a great idea. My dad's like, sure. And we put the paper out in my dad's name. And in six months, we had five paper routes in my dad's name that me and my little brother were doing. And in less than a year and a half, between eight and 10, I had all of my customers paying in the office, like on auto pay. So I didn't have to go around knocking on doors to collect the money. I just dropped the papers off. And at the end of the month or at the end of the week, I would just catch a check. Boom. I'd just go meet with Karen at the end of my block and I'd catch a check. By the age of 10, I had five paper routes. And then by the age of 12, as my parents were separating, I ended up having like seven or eight routes. And so, man, seven, eight routes, that pays really good money back in the eighties. And I was making more money than my parents were because I had sold them in this upsell process. And, and I was making a couple hundred bucks a week with these different wow. routes. So it's just been in me, man. It's It's been fun and I enjoy it. I believe that selling is a service. And if you're not selling, you know, you better learn sales. That's one of the things that I, I taught my son and everybody that worked for me. Like, you've got to learn to sell. You're selling yourself from day one. So
0: mm-hmm. that's how I got wow. sell. That's incredible. And then you go on to, you know, do different sales. You said, I believe at 19, what you were selling over 50 cars a month or so and on the yeah. car dealership.
1: Yeah. So I, my parents ended up going through a crazy divorce. Like that just doesn't happen in the church organization that I grew up in. Okay. And through some infidelity, my parents separated. My mom moved into the housing projects and, and low income gangs, violence, drugs, everything. Like it was all new to me. You know, uh-huh. I, I was this church kid and um, growing up in the church, you either are like a church kid or you're a backslider. We were backsliders, we were condemned to hell. And so what did I do? I, did, I blend in really well. I'm, I'm a salesperson, a chameleon-like, figured out how to adapt to this environment. And uh, by the age of 17, I was facing some pretty hefty criminal charges between drugs and trafficking and manslaughter and capital murder, like some pretty heavy charges. Wow. By the grace of God, I was acquitted on all charges. I got a second chance at life. And my uncle grabbed me by the ear and moved me to Davenport, Iowa. And I started detailing cars at a car dealership at the age of 17 and begged and begged and begged for a shot to sell cars. And uh, I'll never forget, he put me on the sales team in the middle of a, a winter blizzard. He's like, if you can sell a car today, I'll put you on the team next week. And I went out and sold three cars the first day in the blizzard. And by the age of 22, I was selling about 55 to 60 cars a month had three assistants, three offices and two assistants and had this five step process to my sales process and, um, or seven steps to my sales and five steps to my conversation. And, uh, the rest is history. I became the number one car salesman in the world for about eight and a half, nine years and then recruited out of my dealership by Ford, Nissan, Toyota, Honda, had a, had a pretty fun run in the automotive industry.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Let me ask you this. How did you sell three cars in that day of the blizzard?
1: Dude, I was hungry. <laughs> As my friend Les Brown would say, you got to be hungry. I was hungry. I love that. And, you know, I, I was hungry. I don't have any other explanation other than I didn't. I was better than detailing and washing and scrubbing tires, right? And, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to settle. And so not that, that not that I'm any better than those folks that do that. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I had something greater inside of me. And that hunger drove me. And so when he gave me that shot, man, at the time, and Pierce, I don't know how old you are, but you might not remember back in my day, <laughs> we had phone books. And okay. and I remember yeah. pulling out the old phone book and just going through the yellow pages and figured I knew businesses had money. And I just started calling businesses and letting them know about the Christmas deals that we had at this Ford dealership and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I had like five appointments come in and I sold three of them.
0: Wow. So it was out of a phone book. Yeah. Pure hunger. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And was it coming from a place of, you you said that you knew you were made for more. Is that something that's always been inside of you or did something flip in that? Was it the move? Was it a realization, a person that came to you kind of that sparked that hunger or what did it look like? You know,
1: I've never really been able to, it's a great question. I've never really been able to put my finger on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like until recently. So okay. I've always had this calling on my life to evangelize and speak and teach and coach. And, and more recently, it's become a lot more clear. But back then, I wasn't very clear. You know, I was just hungry. I wanted better. I did not want to ever have to. Just barely survive, like what my Mm -hmm. parents did. You know, I wanted to be able to have the nice house, the cars, the money, the girls. Like I wanted those things at the time, and I knew that in my current situation, then that I wasn't going to get them. I wasn't going to have a a million-dollar house and a twelve out of ten, you know, wife detailing cars. Mm -hmm. That was my thought process, and so I was just hungry and driven to be more and do more and have more at the time.
0: I gotcha. No, I, I like that. I like that. And, and let me ask you this, Bryce, when you're looking around at yourself, maybe in that position or also where you're at now, and you're looking at all these other people who are trying to do the same things um, that you are, is that is hunger the one thing that you'd point out stands out about you uh, uh, as opposed to them? Or do you have any other qualities like about yourself that you would see um, are different from those other people who don't succeed in, in what you do.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think that I think that hunger can only get you so far. Okay. Right? Because once you're fed, you can become relaxed. Uh-huh. And, and so I don't believe that hunger is the thing that will drive or sustain you. I believe that hunger gets you started, right? Now, once that hunger is sufficed to stay out of that complacency, you have to find more. And I don't believe in this like unlike most coaches and mentors, you got to find your why. I don't believe that. But I do believe very similar to our mutual friend, Matt and Caleb, I do believe you better find your mission. And that mission better be so outrageous and so strongly rooted and and clear in the bottom of your gut, and the bottom of your soul, that that mission, until it's fulfilled, that you don't stop. And so, you know, I put that anchor on myself, like until I've hit that, whatever that is on a certain goal, that I just Mm -hmm. don't stop you know i don't i don't do things at you know 50% or 70% it's always 110% like until that mission or that goal is hit and and you've always got to be willing to pivot now with that said i do believe that you have to live life as if there's always another explanation you know a really good friend of mine and, and myself like every day every day every other day for weeks, months, and years, we would talk. We would serve together like, hey, I need this. I wouldn't even question and I would help, right? And then one day there was a, there was a conversation that one-sided didn't like or appreciate. What if there's another explanation? You know, and, and I'll just be honest, like this individual asked me for money, I didn't get the text for three days. Gosh. And in less than three days, you were willing to throw everything about the relationship out the window. Wow. There's another explanation. I was out with my wife over the weekend in a little staycation, and I didn't have my phone, nor did I want access to my phone. I was trying to do the damn thing, you know? And so when I did get back at that point in that person's life, in their mind or whatever, because of their hurts, hiccups, and hangups in life, there was another explanation that they weren't willing to see. And so I believe the the most important way to live is that if there's as if there's always another explanation. Right. Uh, a lot of us in, in our mutual circles do a, a missions work and homeless ministry stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a lot of people think that they're just drug, alec- drug addicts and alcoholics. But the other explanation is, gosh, they lost their marbles after their wife died. Or maybe they went to a war and they're a veteran and mm-hmm. they didn't get a fair shot coming back into society and they Like, what are the other explanations? And when you can look at the options or the other explanations in life, you will be so much more happy and even more successful. Wow.
0: Always another explanation. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. And I think a lot of people get too tied up in the the down and out when something happens, something goes the wrong way. But if you keep that in mind, you know, there's always an explanation. It gives you hope. To you know, keep pressing forward. And I know, Bryce, a little bit about. Uh, I've heard a little bit about your story, and it sounds like you haven't always been on this like mission. You've had your times when you've been um, down and out, and I know that there were some really rough times. Do you mind going going there a little bit and kind of sharing what brought you out of that?
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, I'll never forget. 2006 you know I'm 25 years old 26 years old and and at the peak of my career at that point right you know I had contracts with Nissan Toyota Honda Ford Motor Company I'm traveling the world teaching my very simple sales processes and I got a phone call that uh, and my wife at the time I mean her mom had been my Sunday school teacher growing up back in the church that I talked about and so we've known each other all of our lives but we had both quote unquote backslid right we were living this worldly life we were very successful and we had this really cool open relationship so I thought at the time um, when I adhered to that and I'll never forget she she and I had had a conversation we knew that uh, we were having a baby Um, it wasn't mine Um, but she ended up losing the baby and it wasn't due to just you know losing the baby the baby was six months old it went into the hospital and, and the doctor panicked and smothered the baby, put him out of its misery. So we found out later in depositions. And so reliving that traumatic event over the next 18 months, my wife would end up battling alcohol and depression. And we never drank or did any, any of that stuff. Even when I was gangbanging and being an idiot, I wasn't doing dope. I was just doing business, you know. But uh, I'll never forget 2006, you know, her, her son was killed. She lost her marbles, and in 2008, she ended up taking her life. Friday, June 13, 2008, I get a phone call, and I'm traveling. I, I was coming down from Wisconsin, I think it was, and I was in Clinton, Iowa. I'll never forget. I stopped in an office of a dealership to, to make some phone calls, you know, and because of my contract, I could do that. And I jump in this office cube, I'm making some calls, and I get a phone call. It's like, you need to get home. And the love of my life, like my my Sunday school teacher, her little girl had taken her life. And over the next 18 to 20 months, man, I would just lose my marbles. $80 million up my nose in a bottle, end up sleeping in my car uh, for about a year and a half, even sober after that, uh, trying to get back on my feet. It, it was it was pretty dark place in my life. And I'll never forget, it'll actually be 10 years this year, wow. um, September 28, 2011, after going through a nasty custody battle with my son's mom and my son, I met her while I was in this like drunken, coked out stupor. Um, I'll never forget, I had just got in sole custody of him. I had him for a couple months and I was trying to find my place back in life. I was hungry and I was doing whatever it took and I didn't feel in that moment that there was another explanation in september 28 2011 pierce i took the same 40 cal that sits next to my bed tonight it's never jammed since and it never jammed before but that night it jammed three times in my mouth. not once not twice but three times and and that was the day that i i really you know gave my life to christ as as a lot would say you know i I, I, I thought that I knew what was right, but that night I gave God an ultimatum. I'm like, bro, I call him bro. Cause he's pretty gangster. I mean, look around, he's got a sick sense of humor. Um, he, he made people like you and I, right? <laughs> so salespeople, um, he made people like us. He's, he's gotta be funny. And uh, I've I just told him, I'm like, bro, if you're half of what they say you are, anything that you've ever said you were show up. And boy, did he ever. You fast forward 10 years, I, I built a $150 million company in the real estate space, walked away from it three years ago to start all over and have been coaching and speaking and training on my real estate processes these last three years. And in the process this last year and a half, built another $100 million plus company, wholesaling real estate, completely virtual, over 10,000 transactions in the last 10 years. And uh, all but six of them have been completely virtual. This last year and a half, we went from me starting back at zero on my own terms to now we're in five markets and each market is doing 40 plus deals a month. So we're doing deals in Tampa, St. Pete, San Diego, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio. So I've been super blessed, man. Super blessed.
0: Wow. What a turnaround. Yeah. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. And I know it's probably a a multitude of things, but was it, I mean, it was probably your faith that brought you from out of that and into where you are. Is that right? Or what would you attribute that to?
1: Yeah, I think faith, while it's primary in my life, I think that it was secondary to my success. And here's why. Yeah, I I believe that because whether I was ever going to be successful or not, again, I knew that in my heart, in my mind, that I was doing what God wanted me to do. I didn't know what it was yet. And I still am not crystal or I'm crystal clear now, literally in the last couple of months. It's kind of cool or a couple of weeks, but uh, I'm crystal clear now on what that looks like. But 10 years ago, man, I was just like, bro. Whatever you want me to do, just tell me. And God doesn't show up like that. You know, God doesn't just say, do this. He asks you to follow him and trust him, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, while, while there's faith, a lot of it was just trust. Because I didn't always have the faith. I, I even still, it's like, there are some days where I'm just like, yeah, what's next? Like, just tell me, you know? Mm-hmm. But I trust God now. And I never wow. really trusted God prior to that. I had faith, but I didn't have trust, and I believe that there's a little bit of a difference there.
0: Yeah, faith and, and trusting him. Wow, that that's really incredible. So you're you're solely focused on your coaching and, and wholesaling businesses right now? Is that right?
1: Solely, no.
0: Or not? No. You you got a lot. Probably. <laughs> uh, oh no! What else do you have going on?
1: Yeah. So we've got, we've got a coaching program, uh, the only real estate coaching program on the market right now with a hundred percent success rate. Uh, The last three years we've coached just over 1200, I think we're at now, or just under 1200 students with a hundred percent success rate. And I consider success, like not only getting your investment back, but getting it back a second time. So 110% chance will change your life. Right. Um, That said, we do have our, our wholesaling coaching uh, mastermind um, recently co-authored a book with some pretty cool authors. I'm in the process of doing another collab with a whole bunch of realtors on it with another uh, publication company, and um, I just started negotiating a movie deal. I'm about to do a movie. I've got a, a meeting in in August out in Vegas with Paramount Pictures doing a doing a movie deal on my life. And wow. then uh, we're doing we just we're about to release an app here in a couple of weeks where we're all gonna be able to do deals all over the world completely virtual right from the tip of your phone so wow
0: that's yeah. really incredible that's in- insane Wow um, we'll break my you know, ministry
1: and then my ministry so.
0: yeah that's re- that's really incredible as well you know all those different things and I know that you know young entrepreneurs listening to this are you know, have maybe heard of wholesaling or, or things like that. And so we'll definitely point them to you um, to learn and and to grow from you. But can you kind of just break down this virtual wholesaling, what it is real quick for people who are like, what, what the heck is that, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think the easiest way to understand what the wholesale position or or business looks like is just like when you look at Amazon, right? Like Amazon has these products and you're going direct to factory. That's how you get them at discount, right? Mm. It's no difference with real estate. And and so I always talk about real estate as like my vehicle. It's just a widget for me. Mm. And so wholesaling is very simply put, it's it's connecting uh, sellers with buyers and taking a fee in the middle. So for example, okay. Pierce, let's say, God forbid, something happened and grandma passed away and left your mom and dad a second or third house. Mm-hmm. And t- times are tough right now and a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. And they can't afford that second or maybe third house because they have theirs and maybe a rental or maybe theirs and now grandma's house. Yeah. Well, grandma's lived in that house for the last 30 years. It needs a bunch of updates. It's never going to sell at market value. And even with the discounts you got to hire a realtor. That's what we've all been lied to and told, right? Mm -hmm. I just come in and make a cash offer and either take it down myself at a deep discount or I put a contract on the property and then I go find the one-off investor that buys one or two houses a year and he gives me cash for the contract at a higher price. Mm -hmm. And so if I contract grandma's house for a hundred and the buyer buys it for 110, I make the 10K in the middle.
0: Okay. That's incredible. And if someone hears that and they're looking um, to get into a business and in a business and learn from you, um, I just have like a few more questions after this. But yeah. but where can where can they uh, find that at?
1: What specifically are you are you are you uh, the
0: coaching where to find you?
1: Yeah. So in contact with you. So you can actually, if you want to reach out to me, you can book a call with me directly. Um, I will tell you right now, because I'm picky about who I work with, if you book a call with me and you don't show up, I will send you to collections for at least $2,500 for the 30 minutes of my time. Um, so notate that. Don't book a call with me unless you plan on showing up for yourself. Number two, if you go to com forward slash app app. Um, you can fill out an application to book a call with myself and my, my partner, and uh, we would gladly jump on a call. So it's reiresultsacademy.com forward slash app, A-P-P. And uh, on the Academy website, if you just go to reiresultsacademy.com, uh, you can register now for free to, to get into the social platform that we created. Um, it, we're not really marketing it out to the masses yet, so there's still some glitches but be patient, put in accurate information. And as soon as the app goes live and everything's good to go, uh, you're going to be rather impressed with what you can do right from your phone and in the real estate space. Because not only is it a social environment, like a social media platform, um, similar to like Facebook, how there's groups and there's Um, there's forums and things like that. There's also courses in there, free courses that you can take, but you've got to go register to REI Results Academy to get that. And then the app is coming out here in the next two to three uh, weeks. And when that goes live, you'll be able to not only go through the courses and have the social environment, but you'll be able to upload deals, market deals to other investors, buy deals, things like that, right there from your phone, anywhere in the world.
0: That's that's incredible. Bryce, I know we're coming up to our end of our time. Do you have 10 minutes for a few sales questions? Or you gotta yeah, help dude. off? Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Thank I couldn't I let go. you off without asking you some more about sales. I was just so engulfed in your in your story, man. It's so powerful. Um, but when you're when you're trying to teach people, you know, sales in general, sa- sales more in general than uh, just real estate. What is that? um, What are some of those daily habits or things um, you instruct people to do on a daily basis or continuously to help their ability? What are some important things?
1: So, two things that I heard. One are daily habits, and what are things that I do daily before I go into my sales process? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, I'll say this first. One. Liz Wiseman wrote a book called Multipliers. I highly recommend anybody reading it, especially if you're in sales or building a business. The book Multipliers by Liz Wiseman is a great book. Uh, But Liz Wiseman said, The most effective person in an organization is not the genius, but the genius maker. And she goes on to say that great questions lead to insights. And so, as a sales professional, the ability to ask amazing questions and then, and then not just ask the questions, but to be able to listen or read between the lines, hear what they're saying when they're not saying anything at all, those are the things that I practice. So for example, I will actually go and people watch. I'll go and and sit in a mall or sit in a park and I will make assumptions and try to see if I can understand what they're saying based on their body language, their micro expressions in their face. Are they pissed off, upset, hurt, feelings, mad, sad, glad, excited, all of these things. And then I'll interrupt and I'll go ask them, hey, I couldn't help but notice it looked like you were frustrated. I was sitting over there, is everything okay? Or you guys look really excited. What are you guys celebrating? And I'll just go ask them and have them interpret So that way now I can piece together their NLP, their neuro-linguistic programming on their body language, their psychology, and how they react based upon how they say they feel versus what I was interpreting. And when you can match up the two insights, you have better well-formed outcomes. And so that's the first thing that I do regularly regularly. I do it weekly, daily, and weekly. Whether I go to the gas station, I'll sit there and, and as I observe and walk to a gas station, I just observe people and their expressions, their micro expressions, body language, tonalities, things like that. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, the habits that I have outside of or inside of like my sales organization show up. When you're sick, you're going to have to show up differently when you're sick than when you're feeling great. To show up and showing up to me is not physically, it's emotionally, it's spiritually, it's everything, psychologically showing up and being present. You know, a lot of us go through like just doing stuff, right, Pierce? We're not mm-hmm. human doings, we're human beings. Beans. So be in the moment, be present present. And show up, right? That's the first thing that, that is a habit for me. And just trying to show up present in the moment as often as I can. And then knowing that selling is a service and how I better my skills for the person I'm with getting in the right framework or the right frame of mind. And so I've got, you know, pre-call affirmations that I make myself chant, whether I'm going on stage to speak from stage or I'm going into a sales call session. I come, I come back from lunch break. And I'm going back into my second session for the day and doing prospecting. I make myself go through my pre-call affirmations every single time. Because some of the things that I say in them, right? Like I am their best source of information. They need my help, whether they're aware of it or not. We create win-win solutions, things like that, just to like get in the moment. So those mm-hmm. are those are a few of the things that come to mind right off the top based on how you ask that question.
0: Wow, that's incredible. The people watching gets me, man, because that's such a, because once you can pick up on that and then you go verify it by asking them, you get better and better, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and it's part of that other explanation, right? You know, I, I know that uh, you know we've got some mutual friends, and and some of those mutual friends are very similar, and they do very similar stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I found that differentiate between you know a lot of high performance salespeople and myself is that they'll go in and do this fact finding drilling of questions and this false like emotional state. Whereas I can go in and observe and then ask one or two questions and get 10 times the result. And how I do that is by what I call the RAC, R-A-Q. It's repeating what I feel or see or hear. So if I'm in a conversation and you ask me a question or you make a statement, I'm going to repeat it back, whether it's a word or a phrase. And then I'm going to assign a feeling or an emotion. And then I'm going to ask a question and you can actually get 10 layers deeper faster by showing the interest in the conversation, putting feeling emotion around it and then asking your question. So for example, Pierce, do me a favor, just throw a random statement out into the universe at me. Just a random Uh, statement.
0: uh, I am so happy right now.
1: You're so happy right now. That sounds exciting. What's making you so happy?
0: I'm on this podcast with you, Bryce.
1: You're on the podcast with me. Holy cow. That can be overwhelming. What do you know about me and how I massively benefit those that I work with?
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: See how you want to answer? You want to give me more. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm adding emotion to it and watch, look at your whole body language, your whole body language shifted. I was able to shift you that quick with two questions.
0: That's really powerful. There's
1: not another sales trainer out there that will show you how to do that that quick and get results. Repeat, assign a feeling or an emotion, and then ask your question.
0: Wow. And with that assigning the emotion, are you like trying to emulate that emotion within yourself and mirror or
1: no? And that's a that's a great question. No. And here's why. Because you may be wrong. But when you do it, because people, humans don't fully understand 99 times out of 100, the psychology of emotion, right? When you're wrong, they'll tell you and they won't be offended. So for example, if if I was like, gosh, Pierce, you sound overwhelmed. No, I'm just really busy, man. And this is how I work. You're going to correct me Uh and you're not going to be offended because feeling an emotion doesn't hurt Uh You don't know how to identify it. Most people don't know how to identify feelings and emotions. And if that's the case, when you assign a feeling or emotion, they're either going to acknowledge it and now they're eating out of your hand or they're going to correct you and give you the right answer you want to know.
0: Oh, my gosh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Dude, Bryce, I'm so glad we ended it with that. We got those uh, questions and extra time, man. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time here. I've learned so much, you know, from you in our short time. We're going to have to have you on again for sure. And uh, I'll definitely put the REI Results Academy uh, link slash app for people to look into, um, you know, filling out an application. But, you know, Bryce, I just wanted to say thank you for being so vulnerable, sharing your story and uh, sure. showing up the way you do, man.
1: Dude, I appreciate you, man. I, I ran across your page because of our mutual friends. And I love what you're doing and anything to help an up-and-coming and, and ongoing young entrepreneur, man. It's my pleasure and I appreciate you, man. You're the future. I want to share with you as much wisdom as I can. So I love you, bro, and I appreciate you for having me on.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much. Hey, my